today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Listen very carefully. This is the key. You're not working for them. You're working for the Lord as unto the Lord. Since you know, verse 24, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You're working as unto the Lord, not as unto men. That should be a game changer. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Timothy. Whatever you do, do it as if you are working for the Lord and not for man. In today's message with Pastor J.D., you'll be reminded of how important it is to keep your focus on glorifying God in all that you do. So don't waste your time performing for man. Rather, honor the Lord with excellence and perseverance. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth podcast iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We have a very interesting and actually well-known passage of Scripture before us, so let's get into it. Verse 1, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who, verse 2, have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone, verse 3, teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness, verse 6, with contentment is great gain. And here's why, verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those, verse 9, who want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, verse 10, 
is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You okay? Doing okay? So (laughs) I chose the title of Matters of the Heart for today's teaching. And the reason is because the Apostle Paul gets to the heart of the matter, you might say, here in this chapter. It's the last chapter in Paul's first epistle to a young pastor, Timothy. And as we just read, and as we're about to see, Paul is instructing Timothy concerning one's occupation, their work, their possessions, and money. Now, please know, and if you don't know this, you need to know this, the only time we talk about money is when we're at a place in God's Word where God's Word talks about money. And God's Word talks about money today in the text that we have before us. This is one of the things that I suppose you could say is a benefit to teaching expositionally, verse by verse. I can never be accused of cherry picking, so to speak. You know, going through Scripture and picking those pet peeves. You know, doing a ten week series on tithing and giving. This is not a sermon on giving, although I'm sort of, we also don't want to go to the other extreme. And let me explain what I mean by that. When it comes to money, you don't want to rob your people of the blessing that comes when you give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's kind of a introduction into today's teaching and also a warning <laughs> that we are going to talk about money. Not in the context necessarily of giving, but what the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy today is concerning very specifically the livelihood, our work, what we do for a living, the possessions that we accumulate, and then of course money. And we're going to talk about these three things. In fact, what follows are three, just not intentionally, but I found three, you might find more. I'll refer to them as prerequisites. Prerequisites to have a settled heart, a satisfied heart, and a joyful heart. And the first one is in verses 1 and 2, and it's that of the servant's heart. Here, Paul is addressing what in our day would be the employee towards the employer especially, and this is interesting, if the employer is a believer. I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit would inspire Paul to write about this specifically. I think it's an indication of what was happening there in that church in Ephesus. It seems that there were those at that time who were taken advantage of and being disrespectful towards their employers, especially if their employers were believers. It was kind of like this, kind of like, oh, he's a brother in Christ, it's okay. No, it's not. Even more so, if you have 
an employer that is a Christian even the more reason to be a good witness on the job. And that's what Paul is talking about here. In fact, he says that what they were doing was actually a hindrance. It was bringing reproach on the gospel, on God's word, and God's name, because it seems that these Christians were, you'll you'll forgive me for saying it in such a crass way, they were horrible advertisements for Christ. Again, I hate to say it like that, but think about that. You know that we are advertisements for Christ? Because the world is looking at us, and they're watching our lives, as the Apostle Paul would say, they're reading the epistle, we're living epistles, letters. They're reading the letter of our Christian life, and they're asking two questions. You know what the two questions are? I talk about it often. The first question is, is it real? Are you real? Are you the real deal? And the second question is, does it work? And here's the thing, they want it to be real, and they want it to work. Because if it's real in your life, and you're the real deal, and it works, then they have hope. It was Peter who said that we have to be at the ready to have an answer for everyone, to give everyone an answer for the hope that we have. And wouldn't you agree that if there was ever a time (laughs) to give to everyone an answer of that hope that we have, that time is now, with everything that's going on in the world? You know, in the prophecy updates, we've been sharing these testimonies that come in from all over the world. Today we had one from all the way on the big island, (laughs) Kailua Kona. It was so cool. And They had a family member, a sister actually, in Utah that sent them the prophecy update to the big island. Hey, this guy's on the islands. And so they started watching, and it's like, oh my goodness. Now my dad, you would never imagine, my dad is watching and listening. You know, people right now, I would venture to say, God has people's attention. Would you agree with everything that's going on in the world right now? Time and time again, we get people saying to us, posting comments, sending in emails to this effect, that ever since this whole thing started, I've got people calling me. Oh, good. You know, there are people who have come to Christ or come back to Christ, who had wandered and strayed and backslidden, that would have never otherwise done so had it not been for this. I know I maybe run the risk of uh, being misunderstood when I say this. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I hope you don't tire of me saying, but I thank God for COVID-19. No, right? I mean, my goodness, the people that have been reached for Christ, the lost that are now saved because of this, are you kidding me? Praise the Lord. We're the advertisements. Are we a good advertisement? Or are we a bad advertisement? When people read the letter of my Christian life, what do they read in that letter? Am I the real deal? Or am I just like all the others? What's the number one 
response you get when you talk about church or invite somebody to church. Ah, the church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. They're right. (laughs) Here's what I say now. I say, yeah, come on, we can use another hypocrite. Just come in. (laughs) I know that doesn't go over very well. Don't say that, by the way. But that's true. As it's been said, the church is not a showroom for saints. It's a hospital for sinners and hypocrites. But God, right? But people are watching us, and especially when it comes to the workplace. Are we just like everybody else, take advantage of their employers? We work, eh, just, you know, we're not going to go the extra mile. I mean, they don't pay me for that. Oh, really? Oh, that's going to help your witness then. So I'm an employer, and I have a Christian employee and a non-Christian employee. What's the... And you want to invite me to your church? Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. Slaves substitute, because in this time, the Roman Empire... I forget the percentage, but the majority of the people were slaves at that time. So substitute the word slave for employee. Obey your earthly employers in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. You know, the boss is looking. Ah, like, look at me, I'm working hard. And then the boss, you know, what's that saying? The cats, when the cat's gone, the mice will play. That's what Paul is saying here. Don't don't do it just when they're watching. Who are you when nobody is watching? Who are you when your employer is not watching? Do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Listen very carefully. This is the key. You're not working for them. You're working for the Lord as unto the Lord, since you know, verse 24, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You're working as unto the Lord, not as unto man. That should be a game changer. That should change the whole complexion of how you see your workplace, your occupation, your employer. I wonder, How many employers have come to a saving knowledge of Christ because of a faithful employee working as unto the Lord? And it it stood out, and boy, does it ever stand out. I think of a true story. Many years ago I heard this Christian employee who was, I mean, going the extra mile, working so hard, and his non-Christian co-workers got mad at him. You're making us look bad. Stop doing that, because we're not doing that. And he's like, no, I'm not going to stop. I'm doing this for the Lord. And sure enough, he caught the attention of his employer. And in his future, you can write the next chapter in that book, in that letter, promotion. He was promoted, and he prospered. God rewarded him, blessed that, honored that. Think about Joseph, truly in every sense of the word, a slave. 
and everything that happened to him that came against him. And what did he do? It was for the Lord. And what happened? He was promoted, as one said, from the pit to the pinnacle. He works for this boss by the name of Potiphar. And this guy is so impressed. And not only that, he ends up being the most powerful man in the known world, save Pharaoh, who they saw as a god in ancient Egypt. Why? Because of what he did. It wasn't for man, it wasn't unto man, it was for and unto the Lord. Make no mistake about it. The Christian should be the best employee in any company, in any business. The Christian should stand out miles ahead. Forget it. If you're making them look bad, you know what you do? Here's a, oh boy, I got to be careful on this one. So the story is told of Billy Sunday. He was the evangelist back in the 1800s and early 1900s before Billy Graham, Billy Sunday. Something about Billy, I guess. Anyway, famous, you know, evangelist, and he would have these, you know, large crusades. And he had a woman come up to him after one of his evangelistic outreaches. And she said to him, preacher, you rub me the wrong way. Now, when somebody says that to me, I just, you know, being the godly, loving pastor that I am, I usually say something like, get thee behind me, Satan. But I don't. No, I don't. Sort of. But so he, he says to her, no, if I rub you the wrong way, you need to turn around. You know when you pet a cat the wrong way? You need to turn the cat around. You're petting him the right way. So that's what you say to your coworkers who you're making look bad when you work heartily with all of your heart as unto the Lord. No, I'm not going to come down to what you're doing. You need to come up to what I'm doing as unto the Lord. The second one is in verses 3 through 8, and it's the content heart. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of what Paul is writing to Timothy here concerning contentment. It's interesting, and I want you to notice this, that Paul would list conceit, quarrels, this is quite a list, envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction in the context of contentment. What's up with that? Well, here's what I'm thinking. All of the above, everything on that list, they are all the ingredients that are needed for the recipe of discontentment, ungodliness, and as we're about to see shortly, all kinds of evil. Think this through with me. If I'm content, I'm not going to be conceited. If I'm content, I'm not going to quarrel. And certainly if I'm content, I'm not going to be envious. Envy is the enemy of contentment. Is it not the covetousness that makes us discontent? 
oh my goodness, talking about advertising, the whole advertising industry is based on that. Do you realize that? You know, many years ago I was in the car business. I'm still saved. Don't stone me to death. But so whenever we would get a new shipment of new cars, we would get the invoices from the factory. That's what the dealer pays for the car. And on that invoice, there was, without exception, a line item called advertising. And get this, this is back in the 90s, just to put it into perspective. The average price per car for advertising, $500. What? Per car? That's a lot of money. It adds up. You know what that means? That means that every car you and I buy, well, not me, because I, I don't buy new cars. I, <laughs> not the, Okay, I got myself into this one. Let me see if the Lord can help me get out of it. If you have a new car, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Not good enough? Okay, try this one. <laughs> it's not what you have, it's what has you. It's not what's in your garage, it's what's in your heart. There. Are we good now? <laughs> okay. So back to the advertising. $500 per car in the 90s. That means that every new car that is manufactured, there is a $500 cost for the advertising that you see on television. It must work because the dealer pays for it, and then you in turn pay for it. $500? per car? Oh, it works. And it's worth it to them. You know why? You're sitting there watching TV, and here comes this commercial. And I don't know what it is, but they always pick this, I mean, are they even real? This beautiful woman, this handsome guy, you know, and they've got the biggest smiles you've ever seen on a human being. They're so happy. And you know why they're happy? Because they bought that brand new car. And you think to yourself, I'm not that happy. And the reason I'm not that happy is because I don't have that new car. I know what I'll do. I will go out and buy that new car so that I too can be happy like them. Come on. You're not that naive, right? Here's what happens. The whole thing is based on discontentment. I'll take it a step further. The discontentment that is sowed with those advertisements is such that you will look at your old car and you will despise it. You don't make me that happy. Look at you. You're old. No wonder I'm not happy. I'm going to replace you. I know this is silly, but it's true. It's easy to read the book of 1 Timothy and think it only applies to pastors. But the Word of God is always inclusive. This means you can glean something from every page, no matter who you are. So don't let your social status, job, age, or how long you've been a Christian hinder you from diving into the Bible. It's full of wisdom that you can apply to your life. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, we pray your faith was impacted in a powerful way. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear others like it, just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. There you'll find an archive of teachings as well as other helpful tools in your walk with the Lord. 
We always love to hear from our listeners, too. If you have a specific prayer request or any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find it under the About tab. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to connect and have you join us for our worship services. Always feel free to bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. You can find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website or find us on our media platforms to stay up to date with all things concerning Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.